Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Joe, the only man to say amen. You get bonus credit on the uh, final exam. Let's try this one. Good morning, church. Good morning. All right, that's better. Um, so, oh, 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 and I should do this uh, because my friend Rosanna reminded me this morning. Happy New Year. It's not a trap, okay? We just the, the, the church calendar starts on the beginning of Advent, so that's today. Um, so we are in the new church year already. Now, I, of course I'm thinking about Christmas. Um, we're going to come to that by and by. Uh, you know, it's a fairly common thing when people want to celebrate important historical figures that they'll pick that person's birthday and we'll celebrate them on their birthday. President's Day started off this way. Um, some of y'all may even remember celebrating, you know, Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday. Um, I, guess it, I guess it became a thing where they passed a bill to make President's Day because they want to be able to put it on a... So it, so it made a long weekend. Uh, so they just kind of combined the two and made, made a President's Day. But it started with uh, celebrating George Washington's birthday. Um, if you've ever if you've had a kid in preschool or elementary school, you've probably celebrated Dr. Seuss's birthday. Apparently that's a thing, right? And, you know, why, why their birthday? Well, I suppose we do that because you, you want to honor the accomplishments of the person, but it's sometimes hard to pin down the day of their accomplishments. So what we do is we just pick their birthday and say, well, that's, that's a fitting day to just celebrate them. But we aren't celebrating their birth, right? Like, like there's nothing about the infant Theo Geisel, you know, Dr. Seuss. There's nothing about infant Theo Geisel that makes me want to celebrate. There's, there's nothing about, like, the toddling George Washington. By the way, when I picture him, it's a baby with that, with that same wig on, right? <laughs> But we're not really celebrating his birth, right? We want to celebrate him as the first president. The only person who probably ever really celebrated the, the birth of those children were their parents. But it's different with Jesus. Christmas stands out distinctly in this regard. We actually care about the baby, not just the man. History is being made simply by virtue of his birth. It's such a big deal. We switched to A.D., right? We don't do that with his crucifixion. We do that with his birth. What's so historic about it? God is coming to dwell with man. And more than that, he's coming to be a man. God is coming down to be seen and heard, to, to touch us and to be touched by us. And he chose to make his debut not on a chariot of fire, right? Not with trumpets. He chose to make his debut as a helpless baby in the belly of a young woman. 
Almighty God, just a few cells big to begin with. Jesus' entrance into the world was perhaps the most extraordinary event the world had ever seen, hidden inside of the most ordinary of miracles, the birth of a baby boy. How many, how many baby boys were born before him? Millions, surely. Billions, maybe. I didn't run the math. But this, this one is the one that the world had been waiting for literally forever. I imagine as Eve bore Cain and held baby Cain in her arms, she looked at him and wondered, okay, is this it? Is he the one to crush the serpent's head? Is this the child that will fix all that we have so terribly broken? Well, we, we know he wasn't. Maybe not to that extreme, but I think this is a hope that's pretty common to parents. You know, when you, when you hold that child in your arms, there's so much potential there. And you think, maybe this child can fix some of what's wrong with the world. Maybe this child could succeed where I failed. Maybe this child can do a little better than we did. You know, and as you hold that newborn, you look at them, maybe even before that these days, you know, you wonder what the child will be like. You wonder what, what they'll do with their life. You agonize about how to guide them and how to support them. And you worry about how to help them live up to their potential. And you fret about how to keep them safe. And if you're a dude, you worry that you're going to break the baby. Right? At least on your first one. But everything about this baby Jesus is so upside down. Like, on the one hand, we had waited for thousands of years for his arrival, and yet somehow it comes as a, as a surprise. Right? Mary had no idea the plans that God had for her until the angel showed up with the big news. You're going to have a baby. Now, this is speculation, okay? So take it with a grain of salt, but it's not hard to imagine that Mary would have had dreams about what her life was supposed to be like before she met with Gabriel. I, I, I would imagine that she thought when the time was right, she was going to marry that sweet carpenter that her parents were in you know, contract with, because that's how it worked. The two of them, they'd live a quiet life in Nazareth. The babies would have been rocked to sleep in a cradle that he built out in the workshop. They'd grow 
these babies would grow under the wise and loving guidance of their parents. And eventually, you know, the boys would apprentice under Joseph. And one day they'd take over. Quiet, you know, small, but perfect. Well, that wasn't going to happen. This was something quite different altogether. You know, the, the timetable was all wrong, right? The cart was in front of the horse. She wasn't ready. Joseph hadn't even properly married her. She, he hadn't taken her into his home yet, let alone, you know, whipping up <laughs> cradles in the old workshop. Well, that's just the start. I mean, how do, you, how do you parent the Son of God? How do you keep him safe? Her dreams about what her life was supposed to be has vanished through no fault of her own. But God doesn't just take her dreams away. It's not really the way God operates. Instead, he trades them for something even better. And when I say better, I don't mean easy, okay? Because easy isn't the same as good. I don't think anyone in their right mind would choose to be the mother of the Son of God. Because as a, as a new parent, you already feel overwhelmed and unqualified, and completely out of your depth. And you know you're going to make some mistakes. And that's terrifying enough to begin with. Who could possibly bear the responsibility of raising God's son? I think the way that Gabriel talks to her is really interesting. Because he doesn't, he doesn't come wagging his finger, saying, you know, you better get this right. The stakes are too high. The angel doesn't bring the big news with threats and warnings because God knows how scary it all is. So the angel comes and speaks kindly to Mary. Greetings, he says, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Indeed. How many of us today could stand to hear that in spite of the detours life took away from the dreams we had, that we are favored by God? How many of us in the midst of genuine hardship wouldn't mind hearing that God is with us? And those words are far more direct than they sound at first. When he says the Lord is with you, it's not just an assurance that God is on the same team as you. Sure, but it's so much more than, than just the news that God is cheering you on. Those words also meant the Lord is here with you. The Lord is staying with you. The Lord is not far from you. 
in the midst of the impossible things that God has lined up for you, He is here with you to make them happen. Of course, Mary can't see all of that just yet. And she wants to believe the Word of God. But there's no earthly way that those words can come true. How can she possibly bear the Holy Son of God when she isn't even married yet? Like, isn't that how it's supposed to work? How can she be the mother of the King of Israel all by herself? But see, that's just it. She's not all by herself. The angel answered. She said, how can this be? And the angel answers this way. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It is an echo I think, of the words that God spoke to the prophet Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Of course, this young Mary is underprepared, unqualified, and at least a little bit scared. But isn't that the way that God often works? Doesn't God have a habit of choosing the small and the lowly things so that his power and his glory are revealed through them? That's why he chose you. Of course, you're not going to literally and physically give birth to the Christ child, okay? But he is inside you. God has chosen you as the vessel to bring his son to the world. How can this be, you might think, because I am an introvert, because I never went to seminary, because I'm not very good at speaking. Whatever your fear or objection might be, the answer to you is the same as it was to Mary. The Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. God will do the impossible through you. And even though he might completely derail your plans in the process, his plans are infinitely better. As Christmas approaches this year, I hope that you will spend some time contemplating the miracle that Jesus came down into this world as a lowly babe in a manger. And as you're thinking about that, I hope you'll also remember that that same power that brought Jesus into the world through Mary is still bringing Jesus to the world through us. We've heard the big news. The Savior of the world is coming. It's time to get ourselves and the world around us ready for his arrival. And that's an incredible responsibility. And you are not properly prepared or qualified to handle it. And that is okay. Because you are highly favored by God. The Lord is with you.
Let's pray. Father God, during this season of Advent, this season of remembering Christ's coming, we ask that you would fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit's power, that you would pour forth from us that good news that you have poured into us. We pray that you would make us your vessels, just like you did with Mary, to bring Jesus to a world in need. We're not going to do it the same way that she did. We're going to do it by sharing the good news that we have received, the big news, that you have come and that you are coming again. The message is incredibly simple. But I know, Lord, there's, a, there's a, not a few folks out there today who are a little nervous or a little scared about how to share that message, about how to speak up, about when's the right time. Lord, I pray that you'll just lay those fears to rest as we know that it's not, it's not in our power to do it. It's your power through us. And for us, it's just about simple willingness and obedience. We thank you. We thank you that you've chosen the lowly things and the small things to do great things. We thank you that you've chosen us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.